we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. As a federal or state employee, you have the opportunity to support the American Family Association through the Combined Federal Campaign by designating a monthly payroll deduction using 12037. You help AFA continue to fight for your family. So when you complete your CFC form, remember, AFA's number is 12037. And thank you for your help. Is it greedy for a business owner to make a profit? Dr. Tony Evans says, not necessarily. He's got a great illustration to help us understand what makes the difference. He'll share it with us as we spend two minutes with Tony. I told y'all, you know, my favorite potato chip is Zaps. The last time I said that, there's a whole bunch of members who bought me Zaps potato chips, okay? But I'm not eating too many Zaps anymore. And the reason I'm not eating too many Zaps anymore is I noticed something. The chips are thinner, The bag is now only half full, but the price stayed the same. So they went down on, thinned out the chips, almost cut the amount of chips in half, but they ain't changed the price. Look, if you're gonna give me half chips, give me half price. Don't be cutting down the chips and keep the price the same. But there is a corporate greed today in the name of business. This is business. Well, if you are here today and you are a businessman or a businesswoman, you have a right to make a profit. You ought to make a profit, but not at the expense of being righteous in the dealing of your business and being godly in the relationship to your workers and your customers. We have ungodly people today doing business and calling themselves Christians. That is a form of corporate greed. Don't get me wrong, God is not against profit, he's against greed. He's against greed. The Bible says that idols, like greed, come in all shapes and sizes, but they all drive a wedge between us and the Lord. Find out how to keep that from happening with the help of Tony's CD series, American Idols, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. try this again, folks. I apologize. So here's the good news. I'm on the road, and guess where I am? This is an incredibly historic place to be. I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Actually, not Boston. I'm in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Flew into Boston. So I'm surrounded by great American history. And today being National Day of Prayer, what a great time 
to be looking back at God's providence in America so we can learn from it. So I'm actually going to be in just a few minutes. As soon as our program is over today, I'm headed over to the National Monument to the Forefathers. It's the largest granite monument in America, and it is a roadmap. It is the secret sauce for how to have a good society. And so I'm headed over there for this big event we're having. It's a great time we're going to have with Mark Meckler and and myself and Paul, Dr. Paul Jaley and lots of other folks, and uh, probably about a 1,000 people are going to gather there at the monument for National Day of Prayer. Uh, we're going to be calling upon the Lord, uh, asking for mercy for our nation, uh, asking for his guidance in restoring true justice, uh, restoring the law in our country and education and all of those things. So really excited about that. The bad news is my Internet's not so great where I am, so my signal wasn't so great, so I apologize for for botching the intro to the program. So let me try this again. Welcome to AFA at the Court. I'm Rick Green, and I'm going to be teaming up with Walker Wildman going forward. We'll be uh, swapping off days. You'll hear Walker on Mondays and Wednesdays and uh, me on Tuesdays and Thursdays most of the time. And then Fridays will be kind of up for grabs. We'll uh, we'll see what happens that particular week. But I'm thrilled to be back with you. Thank you for listening and thank you for your patience uh, with our, our technical fun today. Thanks to my traveling. And be praying. If, if you haven't done a National Day of Prayer today, if you haven't gone uh, to an event in your community, be looking for one. Uh, be, there may still be one in where you live uh, this evening. But even if not, it's a great time for you to just spend time with your family, praying for our country. National Day of Prayer is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity uh, to come together with, with people in your neighborhood, in, in, your, in your community, leaders, elected officials, educators, you name it, pastors, coming together to pray for our nation. Well, if, you, if you've missed out on that opportunity, it's okay. That doesn't mean you can't still join us. Literally hundreds of thousands of people all over the nation. I forget how many tens of thousands of these events happen all over the nation, but you can still join us by simply praying from your home or your work or wherever you are. Join us in prayer for our nation. It's a it's a wonderful time to come together. And and, and I've been to National Day of Prayer events that were way too early in the morning. Can I just say like six, seven a.m. in the morning? Who gets up at six a.m. These I'm a homeschool dad, man. That's that's like midnight for us. You know, we get up at noon or okay, maybe not that bad, but uh, yeah, yeah. So some of these National Day of Prayer events are really really early in the morning. And then some people do them in the evenings at a church in their community. So if you don't know where one might be in your area, they've got a great website, nationaldayofprayer.org. You can go there to find out more and uh, find out where an event is. Maybe now's the time to commit for next year. Maybe right now you're thinking, ah, oh, I would have loved to have gathered with people from my community and, and been a part of this. So next year you can do that. This is a great tradition in America, and uh, just great people that are that that, that run it and, and make it possible. And maybe maybe if it's not happening in your community, you're the one. Maybe God's pricking your heart right now to be the leader in your community, to be the catalyst for a restoration of biblical values in our country. And maybe he's calling on you to lead a national day of prayer right there in your neighborhood or in your community next year. This year, the theme is exalt the Lord who has established us. And, uh, and, and boy, do we need to be exalting the Lord. You know, we too often want God to bless America, and we aren't willing to bless God. What an opportunity today, National Day of Prayer, to do that. So, again, you can visit the website, nationaldayofprayer.org. Find out if there's still one going on in, in your area this evening. But regardless, just take a few minutes, you know, five minutes. Can, can you give just five minutes today? Thank God for what we have in our nation. It's not all doom and gloom, despite all the negative in America right now. We still have an amazing foundation, an incredible constitution and declaration of independence. 
We have an incredible foundation here, and it's a biblically-based foundation. It's the Judeo-Christian values upon which this nation was built that made America the most powerful, most free, uh, wealthiest, most benevolent nation in history. And so if we want to return to that greatness and return to those blessings, we've got to return to the secret sauce. We've got to return to the inputs, the formula that produces that. National Day of Prayer is a great time for us to be reminded of that formula and just take a moment and thank God for what we have and ask for his blessing on our nation, asking for forgiveness for our nation and our, and our national sins, not just our personal sins, but our national sins, where we as a nation have taken positions contrary to, absolutely opposite of biblical values and opposite of God's commands. And it's not uh, any accident, I think, that this week we've, made, we've been essentially uh, the, the leak on the, on the overturning of Roe uh, that that draft opinion that was leaked, uh, that supposedly, uh, well, not supposedly, it's been confirmed by the court that it is Sam Alito's draft opinion for the majority. Uh, I think it's not by accident that that's this week that we find out about this, and and that uh, we can thank God that maybe, maybe I'm saying maybe because I don't want to celebrate too much too soon, because there's still time that uh, you know votes can change on the court. That has happened in the past, happened with Roe, happened with with other big cases, um, but maybe. Lord willing, we are about to reverse one of our greatest national sins. That, that nationally, as a nation, as, as our government, we said it was okay to take life in the womb. We said it was okay to violate God's Ten Commandments. And for 50 years, a lot of you that are listening right now, you have been pouring your heart and soul into trying to stop that in our nation and trying to reverse that. And maybe you've experienced some some uh, some some victories in your particular state, incremental victories. I've been a part of that in my state in Texas. I, I was uh, proud to be co-author of some legislation back when I was a rep that uh, brought in uh, parental notification, and, and and then we did parental consent, and uh, then we had um, um, informed consent, and and uh, all kinds of incremental steps, uh, taking the biggest steps we could towards saving babies' lives. And then my buddy Brian Hughes, this last year, uh, Brian and I actually <laughs> cut our teeth together and. In the political realm, back in college, Republicans a long time ago. I'm not going to tell you how long because it was a long time ago. Uh, but we uh, we we learned this this thing together. And and in fact, I met Brian at a uh, at a college Republican event when he walked in. He had the two two little baby feet. You know, you've seen the little lapel pin that's just a, the two baby feet pro life symbol. And uh, man, as soon as he walked in, I pointed at him and I pointed at that pin. I said, "You and I are going to be fast friends." <laughs> and uh, and we were. And we've been together uh, working on things like this uh, ever since. Uh, he actually went into the legislature in Texas the year after uh, I was out, so we didn't get to serve together. But uh, he was in the House for a while, and then in the Senate, and then and then he was the one uh, that passed the bill this last year that you've heard so much about out of Texas that uh, that 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 really revolutionized the strategy for ending abortion at the state level, and a huge huge victory, and thousands of babies already saved in Texas as a result of that legislation passing. And so this is, uh, you, you know, if you're listening, you've probably been in some of those fights in your state. And, and maybe you haven't experienced victory yet. Maybe you've been fighting. Maybe you've been in the trenches. Maybe you've spent time on your knees in your prayer war room asking God to end this. And, and, and maybe you've campaigned for candidates that were pro-life. And, 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 and maybe, maybe every time you lost, maybe every time you just saw what through worldly eyes was just defeat after defeat after defeat. And you began to think, God, why am I doing this? Are we ever going to turn this around in our country? And I got to tell you, 
It's a lot like John Quincy Adams, folks, back when he was trying to end slavery. I mean, a very similar battle, um, you know, a horrific sin and stain on our nation and the world. America was not unique in this, of course. The whole world had slavery in 1776. We were the first one to end the slave trade, beat England by three weeks. We were the fourth nation on the planet to ban slavery completely after fighting a war and 600,000 casualties. But, but John Quincy Adams was early in that fight, and he was— he was in Congress. He had been president, and then now he's in Congress trying to end slavery. Seventeen years he fought to try to end slavery. Never got to see an end to slavery in his life. He died in Congress. And, and so for 17 years, no victories. Maybe you have felt like that at some point over the last 50 years trying to end slavery and not getting to see an end to slavery in your lifetime. I mean, an end to, to abortion in, in your lifetime. Perhaps you felt the same way John Quincy Adams did. Well, You've probably heard me tell the story before, but John Quincy Adams, he uh, he was asked by a reporter, why are you doing this? This was about 13 years into it. No victories again, wasting everybody's time, according to this reporter, wasting John Quincy Adams' life, according to this reporter, wasting Congress's time and the reporter's time. And John Quincy Adams just looked at that reporter and he said, you know, duty is ours, results are God's. Duty is ours, results are God's. Now, John Quincy Adams was basically saying, I'm fighting for the Lord's cause. I'm fighting for the kingdom. I'm doing what's right. I don't know what God's going to do with it. I don't know if I'll get to see the victory in my lifetime, but I know I'm supposed to do it. I know I'm supposed to do what's right. I know I'm supposed to seek justice, and I know I'm, I'm supposed to love mercy. I'm supposed to do all these things. And so John Quincy Adams kept doing that. Now, he didn't get to see slavery end, but he did. He did play a major role in the end of slavery. I'll tell you about the rest of it when we come back from the break in just a moment. But for you, you may have felt like you were John Quincy Adams at some point over the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Maybe some of you listening right now, maybe some of you listening have been fighting on this one for 50 years. Well, friends, victory is right around the corner. God's doing something amazing in our nation, and you played a major role in that. When we come back from the break, be glad to take your calls, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green. You're listening to AFA at the Court. Having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As Apostle Paul navigated torrential ministerial waters in Ephesus, he sent Timothy and Erastus ahead of him as an advance team to Macedonia. Paul also includes Erastus as one who greeted the church at Rome in Romans 16.23, in which Paul described Erastus' job as the city treasurer in Corinth. In 1929, archaeologists in Corinth discovered a mid-first century Latin inscription that read, Erastus, in return for his edelship, laid the pavement at his own expense. The modern equivalent of a first century edel would be a city manager. The Bible is trustworthy. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner 
or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. We all go through difficult situations and sometimes difficult seasons. As parents, we draw upon our previous experience and know that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can hope to weather the storm. Your girl may feel that she has to rely on her own plan to get through tough times. Encourage her to return to the Lord for reassurance and a heart of peace. Remind her that God is there to walk by her side and you as an earthly support can help quell her fears. When we place our trust in the Lord, our reward is peace. Scripture shares in Philippians, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. And my father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? Let's get some cookies and I'll tell you all about it. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. This is Rick Green, and I am thrilled that you are with us today. We've got some exciting things happening in America right now. I'm telling you, these are not pale and timid times. I love that Reagan quote about it. I'm glad I don't live in pale and timid times. I want to live in a time where what I'm doing can make a difference. And folks, what you have been doing is making a difference. You know, we were talking before the break about all the years of fighting for the pro-life cause, all the legislation. I mean, I, I, I could not even tell you, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of, of bills that were passed at the state level for an incremental end to abortion, to save babies' lives, to return our nation to back to a place that it respected life. And uh, so many victories, so many defeats, I mean, just up and down. It was just, uh, I mean, it's been crazy the last 50 years. And I know some of you have been in that fight for maybe decades, maybe for the whole 50 years. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for being courageous, for being consistent, for being persistent, for, for being faithful wherever you were planted. And we don't know yet. We don't know for sure whether or not Sam Alito's opinion is going to end up being the official uh, decision by the Supreme Court, uh, but it, it looks like it very well could be. And uh, unless this this um, evil leak of the opinion in an effort to gin up people across the nation to riot and protest and try to change the uh, justice's mind, unless that's successful and, and uh, Lord willing, that will not be, um, then if this opinion becomes the decision of the court, 
it will be the greatest pro-life victory of our lifetime. Um, and it will and it will send this back to the states where it was before Roe v. Wade. And we will have at least 20 states, maybe as many as 30 states ending abortion. Uh, and then we'll work to end it completely in our nation as we go. But I, all of that to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for your support of pro-life organizations. Thank you for your support of American Family Association. Thank you for all of the things you have done to get us to this point, to win the small victories in our states, uh, but also to win this big one. Looking forward to your call today, 888-589-8840. Before I go to our first caller, the rest of the John Quincy Adams story. So John Quincy Adams, 17 years in Congress, fighting to end slavery, never gets to see a victory. Can you imagine? I mean, at least we had incremental victories in the in the life fight, right? I mean, at least we were able to get parental notification and then parental consent and then informed consent. And at least we were able to end abortion in, in, in late term in most states and then excuse me, and then eventually get it down to, you know, 20 weeks in some states and now heartbeat bills. I mean, these were victories that we got to experience. So we didn't have like, you know, just dry hole after dry hole. I mean, can you imagine if you're in the business of trying to trying to dribble oil and you never hit oil? I mean, you would give up. John Quincy Adams, 17 years, no victories. But for that last term, for just those last two years that he was in office, he served with this kid that he mentored. He, he he did a brain dump into this young congressman, kid from Illinois that 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 was also pro-life and 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 also wanted. I mean, also uh, anti-slavery and also wanted to to end slavery. So John Quincy Adams mentors him, teaches him, and then Adams dies right there in Congress, falls over of a stroke right there on the floor of Congress. Well, this kid ends up being a pallbearer at his funeral. Then that kid goes home, loses re-election. Loses another election, loses another election, loses another, finally wins another election 15 years later, and he's elected president of the United States, and Abraham Lincoln goes on to end slavery in our nation. John Quincy Adams carried the torch, defended the torch, fought for freedom, and ultimately passed that torch to someone that was able to finally get it done. Folks, that's kind of how I feel about the pro-life movement, you know? I mean, we... We don't know. I've said it for years. We don't know who these kids are that we're teaching, that we're passing the torch to, that one of them may become uh, the justice that writes the opinion or the president that moves it forward or whatever, the legislator, the governor, whoever it might be, or, or just a pro-life activist or the speaker or, who, or, or the one that starts the, 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 the pregnancy center in the, in the community or that does save the storks and goes out there and ministers to these girls. I mean, you just don't know. You don't know. We just teach truth, speak truth, fight for truth. And you'll be passing that torch of freedom. And I believe we're seeing the rest of the story on the pro-life movement right now before our eyes. This is an exciting, exciting time to be alive. And what a great day to celebrate. National Day of Prayer. Hope that you're participating at some level in your community. Go ahead and call in today, 888-589-8840. We're going to hit the phones right now. And it looks like our first caller is Jerry from my home state of Texas. Jerry, where are you calling from in Texas, brother? College Station. Woo! College Station. All right, you Aggies. You know I'm a T-SIP. I have to. I can't even call myself a T-SIP because I wanted to be an Aggie, but I went to UT Law School. A&M didn't have a law school back then. I know they do now, and I encourage all my kids to yes, go sir. A&M Law, not UT Law. Anyway, I'm sorry, Jerry. Uh, I, I will. Uh, I'll work with you. Go ahead, two, brother. Two quick things. I'm gonna try and do this as quick as I can because I know the callers are waiting. One. Um, let's start with precedence. Everybody says, oh, this is precedent. This is precedent. Dred Scott decision was precedent, which what? When that decision was made, 
which is an opinion that the Supreme Court, which is the least re- the least amount of powers within the Constitution, if you look at it, from, I learned from this constitutional law course I took, they had the least amount of power because they all they have to do is decide the law. Is it constitutional? Is it not? They said Dred Scott. Black people didn't have any rights. I don't agree with that. And then the 13th Amendment overruled that, which is an amendment to the Constitution, which becomes law. The second thing is, is as I stated, the court only issues opinions. What we need are governors and senators and other politicians that are called themselves conservatives with a backbone to go, that's an opinion. That's their opinion. That is a legal court's opinion. That is not law set forth by the legislative branch, which has the most amount of power in the Constitution, giving the executive branch the second amount of power. Now, I understand that the presidents can write executive orders, which they can do. But the reason they can do that is because the next guy can come in, as we've seen through time, and just overwrite that one. My thing is, is you know, it's wrong. It's morally wrong. If that's a, it's ethically wrong, and just give it back to the states because that's what the Constitution allows for. And I'll let you go, brother. You have a blessed day. Hey, hey, Jerry, giggle, brother. That's uh, that's well said. Agree uh, wholeheartedly on both points. And uh, just to, just to put a bow on it, I mean, you're spot on. This whole uh, precedent thing, this you know, stare decisis is what we call it in in the legal world. And 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 I and these judges, uh, they literally bow at the feet of stare decisis. It's shameful. I mean, I mean, they basically say if some judge 10 years before, 20 years before, 100 years before said something, that that's still the law of the land. Instead of looking at the Constitution itself, rather than this unelected, unaccountable judge from 100 years ago, uh, yeah, it's shameful. And I love Clarence Thomas. He's the best justice on the Supreme Court right now. And he has been on a mission to de-emphasize stereotypes. doesn't mean you get rid of it because it does help with consistency and the law not just, you know, being like whiplash changing every week. You want to have some level of stereotypes, but you always are willing to question how that previous court came up with that decision. And if they were absolutely wrong and ignored the Constitution, which is what Sam Alito is saying in this in this decision, he's literally saying, I'm sorry, in this in this draft opinion, he's literally saying the court was wrong 50 years ago and we should not uphold a court decision as the law from now on, just like uh, uh, Jerry just mentioned. Same with Dred Scott. If we did that, slavery would still be around. Black people wouldn't have any rights if we believed that the court was right all the time because the court was dreadfully wrong. Pun intended there if anybody got it. Dreadfully wrong in Dred Scott and uh, dreadfully wrong in Roe v. Wade. So thank you, Sam Alito, for saying stare decisis should not control and the Constitution should control. The principles of liberty should control. Excellent call, Jerry, and I'm so glad to hear you took Constitutional Live. Way to go, man. Giggle. Uh, Everybody else, need to take Constitutional Live or our biblical citizenship in modern America. It has Constitutional Live in it, and uh, it's a great way to learn these things and share them with your friends and family and be responsible as a biblical citizen. Guess what, folks? You are Caesar in America. So if you're going to do what Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's, you better figure out how to do that. How do I do Caesar? How do I do Caesar well? How do I fulfill my role as we the people, as Caesar in this nation? There's a lot of responsibility with that as a citizen, and we teach you how to do it in biblical citizenship in modern America. It's just part of your religion. It's just like following the Bible on how you how you create your workplace or how you serve your employer if you're an employee or how you serve your employees if you're an employer, how you follow the Bible on how to be a good dad or mom or, or husband or wife or whatever it might be. Same thing with being a good citizen. The Bible has a lot to say about those things. The instruction manual works, folks, but we got to go work it. Okay, let's head back to the phones. We got Steve in Arkansas, and if you want to call in, you can do 888 589 8840. 
888-589-8840. Steve, where are you calling from? Go Hogs. Uh, yes, I like that. We're calling from Morrillton, Arkansas. All right, brother. Well, I, I'm originally from Little Rock, and i got family all over the state of Arkansas, and one of my favorite UFC fighters is Bryce Mitchell from right there in Arkansas. Enough about the Hogs. What are you calling about, brother? All right. I just wanted to say uh, something that bothers me is, Okay, the people that are for abortion, you know, they, they say it's not really a life. It's just a, a glob of cells or a mass of uh, flesh or whatever. But then but then, if you're out here, if a woman's pregnant out here on the road driving, someone hits her head on and it, and, and, and it kills her, and then that person is charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. I, if it's a life then... Why would it not be alive when they do abort, the, abort it? Yeah. Well, Steve, in fact, in fact, I'm sorry, I cut you off there. Let me let you finish. Did, were you going to add something else to that? No, that's that's all right. Cool. Okay. No, you're you, you know, Steve, you you are saying exactly the same thing that Sam Alito says in this in this draft opinion. He takes on that exact argument. So you're spot on, and he talks about the history uh, of abortion or the lack of history of abortion in our nation and in our um, you know, in our culture, and he, and he talks about all the laws from the beginning that 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 did exactly what you're saying. That that, that said, listen, if you if you accidentally or on purpose um, kill a baby in the womb, whether you kill the mother, uh, you know, in a car accident like you're talking about, and the baby dies too, or are you are you push you know someone or whatever the reason is that you cause the death of that baby, uh, that there are consequences for it. Therefore, recognizing that it is life. And, uh, and and that was one of the, the failures of Roe v. Wade was that it essentially lied to the American people and said there's this secret right to an abortion in the Constitution. It was never mentioned, of course, in the Constitution. But because um, in the past, you know, because the Constitution says in the Ninth Amendment that all of your rights aren't listed and in the Tenth Amendment that only the, the government's uh, powers are limited and listed and everything else is left to the people in the states, um, there are definitely things that you have a, a, a rights to that, that are not listed in the Constitution. But with Roe v. Wade, they created a right to an abortion, and instead of using the, the, the judicial standard before that, they basically said, in order to do that, you've got to show that that's a right that's, that's rich in our history, and you can show it in the state laws and in the, in the history of the, of, of, the, of the common law and all those things. With abortion, they just ignored that, and they said, oh, we're not going to do what we've always done to say that something was a constitutional right that had not been listed in the Constitution. They ignored all that. So in other words, they made it up. That's exactly what they did. In Roe v. Wade, and uh, and what you're saying, Steve, is what Sam Alito points out is the proof that they made it up, and the proof that our law has always said that is precious, that is life in the womb, and it should be protected as a creation of God. Okay, let's head over to South Dakota. Tony is calling in from South Dakota. Tony, how you doing? Comment or question today? Yeah, I've got a comment, um, and just full disclosure, I'm actually a, a state representative here, so. Um, I appreciate this show. I appreciate American Family Radio. I wanted to piggyback, piggyback on well, Jerry. Well, b- b- before you do your comment, Tony, we appreciate you as well. I love South Dakota. I love your laws there, and I love the fact that you didn't shut down. So God bless you and Christy No, Go for it. Well, thank you, sir. And if I had, I wish I had more time because there's a lot more to that. But to stay on track, um, Jerry, a, few, a couple callers ago, um, he's spot on. I've said this to many people. The Supreme Court doesn't make law, and Congress never took it up to create law as far as um, abortion being in the Constitution. So 
So for 50 years, we've been basically living a lie, perfect, you know, perpetrated upon us by the left. And as, as a state, I have had many conversations with people to say, can we, as a state, can I get some support here to say, Supreme Court, thank you for your opinion, but we do not have to follow that. And anyone trying to sue us, what are they going to sue us for on something that's not law? So on top of that, the last thing I'd like to make, I'll make it as quick as I can. The only thing that I don't like about the opinion of Justice Alito is he didn't go far enough. Law or, or life, um, life was, was, was given to us and created by and defined by someone much higher than us. So it's already been decided when life begins. It's been decided when life ends, and it's been decided to stand. So sending it back to the states, ultimately, it's, it is a victory, I agree, but the ultimate victory is us recognizing that we have no control over that and no, we don't have any say in it to begin with. So thank you. Yeah, no, I, hey, Tony, don't, don't hang up yet because I want to ask you a question. Um, you still with me? Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, 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 I totally agree with you. Uh, in fact, two days ago, we talked about that a little bit just from the standpoint of, yes, ideally, uh, hopefully that's where we get ultimately, and hopefully we can start being like that in our individual space, and then eventually as a whole nation, I would love for that to be where we end up. That's where we should be. But didn't, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm racking my brain here. Wasn't South Dakota one of the first ones like 10 years ago, or even 15 or 20 years ago, to say, we're going to go ahead and pass a pro-life law, even though people say that the Supreme Court might overturn it because we're going to do the right thing and try to work that that way uh, up, up to the Supreme Court. It seems like if I remember right, I can't even remember what the specifics of the law was, but I've always thought about South Dakota was one of the first ones to do that. Am I remembering that wrong or does that ring a bell to you at all? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you're right about that as far as the history is concerned. Um, I don't know about I think you're my, one of the first ones. I think you're right. Um, eventually, what it comes down to is I, and I can't remember. I've had lots of conversations with, about this, but people have been fighting this now for some time. But uh, that I'll say this to that to that bill. It has been working its way through the Supreme Court, and sadly, I'm I'm a guy that believes wholeheartedly in that that abortion is wrong on every level. I'm not into incrementalism, but I believe that one thing we should we should be fighting it on two fronts. One. We should be hacking at it like crazy and doing everything we can yeah. to bring legislation to kill it. On the other side of it is we do everything. I'm going to lose you. Parallel. I'm going to lose you, Tony. I'm so sorry. We're we're hitting a hard break, but um, uh, yeah, and and I'll I'll try to hit that incrementalism thing when we come back from the break. So sorry, man. Hard break, Tony. Thank you for serving in South Dakota. Keep up the great work there. I think your state is a beacon in so many ways. No place is perfect, but I almost moved there. It was so good. Anyway, stay with us, folks. We'll be right back on AFA at the core. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. The onslaught of anti-transgender state laws attacking you and your families 
simply wrong. No, what's really wrong is Biden and his administration promoting transgender confusion to our youth. HHS documents describe gender reassignment for adolescents as appropriate treatments. It's nothing more than body mutilation for our kids. It's time for our elected officials to speak up. Urge them to defend our children against this radical administration. Visit AFA.net today. So there's this couple named Kyle and Katie, and they were excited. They were expecting their third child. And then they got some really bad news. Their unborn baby desperately needed surgery in utero. They had switched the way they pay their health care bills from health insurance to MediShare. So they were wondering, is this going to work? It's a life and it's my son's life, and, you know, we should all be doing anything we can for that. Kyle knew they were looking at a mountain of medical bills. And of that, I had to pay almost nothing. We felt like MediShare was rallying behind us, almost like family. MediShare is a community of Christians who care about people like Kyle and Katie and little Liam, who is now a happy little boy who loves to play outside with his brother and sister. You know, Liam's around because of that. We'll always remember. Find out how you can save $500 a month or more on your health care. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. In our day, every government agency, politician, and journalist has a Twitter account, both to release official statements and to build support and political will among their followers. Yet, throughout the past decade, Twitter has slowly tightened up their standards of acceptable speech, sometimes throttling accounts with a reputation of controversy, sometimes removing them from search results and making them difficult to find, sometimes blocking entire subjects and sometimes banning accounts altogether like former President Trump and the Babylon Bee. That's why Elon Musk's successful purchase of Twitter is good news for conservatives. It's nice to see free speech win out over liberal censorship for once. Yet Christians must resist the urge to put our hope in men. We can, however, praise God for using Musk to score this point for free speech and be encouraged to use that freedom to share the hope of Christ. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green, and I'm thankful for you listening today and uh, being a supporter of American Family Radio. You know, we've been talking about this pro-life victory uh, on, on the cusp of a victory. I keep saying that, and I want to be careful because I don't want to. I, I don't want us to celebrate too much too soon, because there is a possibility that someone on the court changes their vote. That has happened before. That's why they leaked this was to to, to put pressure on them and, and and try to make that happen. Lord willing, that will not happen. Uh, but just to say, we're right here on the cusp of overturning Roe v. Wade. Fifty years of fighting for this and uh, fighting to to get this uh, scourge of abortion away from our nation. Now, as we've already talked about that this doesn't end abortion. It just simply allows the states to make that decision on their own. And uh, about half the states will uh, will uh, decide the right way and say uh, that we're going to protect life, no abortion in our state. Some of the states have, I think it's 13, that have trigger laws that will go into effect immediately when this decision is made. And uh, and then another 10 or 12 that, uh, that we're confident will pass legislation to do that. Uh, very quickly. And then you're going to have, you know, 20 to 25 states that where there's going to be a, a real battle over trying to end abortion in that particular state and some states that just will not do it. I mean, let's just be practical about the politics of what's happening 
in those states. And so I do think, uh, you know, very good points made by Tony from South Dakota. Uh, it's like slavery, right? It's not, we shouldn't leave something like that up to the states. You shouldn't have, you know, I'm a states' rights guy, don't get me wrong, but the state doesn't have the right to do wrong and to do evil. Uh, but you do have to ha- face some political um, realities of what's possible to get done. And uh, and just as it took time to end slavery, unfortunately, I think it's going to take time to end abortion in all 50 states eventually. But for now, huge victory just to have the right to end abortion in your particular state. It's almost like a First Amendment right of assembly, it, it, the ability to live among people that share your values and not have someone with San Francisco values come into your state like South Dakota or Texas or Arkansas and say, you're going to live by our values. See, that's the that's the lack of federalism that we have in the country right now. Everybody runs to Washington, D.C. and wants to take whatever their position is and force it on all 50 states. We need federalism right now where each of the 50 states can be different. They decide what that looks like for their particular state and then let people vote with their feet. Uh, we're just not at a place as a nation where we agree on truth or agree on values. And if we try to make everybody in the country agree on the same set of values, um, just not going to happen. We're going to have civil war. It's going to split the country um, completely. I, I, I don't want to see that happen. I mean, I've got friends and people I love and people that fought for my freedom. I mean, you think about it, uh, you know, there were there were boys from every state uh, storming those beaches of Normandy and Iwo Jima and all the others. So I, my desire is that we do hold the country together, but that we have federalism and each state can can, can be unique. And we're going to disagree greatly on some of these issues, including this issue of abortion. But right now, I think that's the best we're going to be able to do. So this is still a huge victory so that individual states can say exactly what Tony was saying. Life should be protected from conception. And those uh, those states can make that decision on their own. And um, it'll be um, it's going to be a very interesting few years, which means your vote matters now more than ever. Your involvement matters now more than ever. Your your life, your fortune, your sacred honor. Now is the time to pledge those things to your friends and family, people in your community. Uh, because let's not forget those guys that signed the Declaration of Independence. They weren't pledging their lives, fortune, sacred honor to the country. They weren't pledging it to the document. They said, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. Thank you. Hat tip to Mark Meckler, my buddy over at Convention of States that, that taught me that. I've been given the story of the Declaration of Independence for 30 years, and it didn't dawn on me that that's what they were pledging to. So I'm encouraging you to do the same and, and stand up for life in your community and your state because now it's going to be fought on the local level. Okay, we've got Sharon in Texas. And as Sharon's getting on the phone here, we'll give out the number one more time, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Call in with your comments or questions. Sharon, go ahead. What part of Texas are you calling from? I'm coming north of uh, Dallas in a little town called Wolf City. Um, and I, I want to make... Roy City? You're calling from Roy City? Well, that's part of the time where I've lived, but I'm also just a little bit north of it in Wolf City, but I've lived in Roy oh, City Wolf for City. many, many years. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, I've lived in Roy City for a long time. Yes. And I am an old, old Yes. I'm an old, old Aggie besides that, and I'm an adoptive <laughs> mom. So this is a, a very right. hot issue to all of me. The original comment that I called about, Rick, uh, was the idea that we're talking about this being unprecedented about a leak. But I remember there's two issues that determine what happens to our nation, and that is um, life and uh, the dignity of marriage that God determined. But when Lawrence uh, Lawrence v. Texas, right, uh, went to the Supreme Court, how is it that the president at the time, Obama, 
could have the whole complete White House lit up in the rainbow if he knew nothing about it the day that it was made known. For, for years, I wondered, how is it that that could have been known if this is supposed to be um, unknown? Yeah, you're, you're talking about Ober, Obergfeld, not Lawrence, right? Because Obergfeld's the yeah, one that uh, yeah, Lawrence, was, was, didn't, yeah. Yeah. Lawrence was the one that, that, that uh, said you couldn't have a law against sodomy. And then Obergfeld's the one that said you had to have gay marriage. You had to allow for and you had to license the states individually had to license marriage. Um, I don't remember the, the timeline there. I don't I don't remember how quickly they did that or, or, or whether or not they knew. But, yeah, I mean, you're probably so. I'm sure there were, uh, you know, discussions over cocktails late at night uh, with with staff from the Supreme Court, uh, with staff from the White House. And, and, and it wouldn't shock me a bit if they, if they knew about that. That I would not compare to the actual draft opinion being uh, leaked or the or the vote itself being leaked. And it's one thing for someone in private to know what's coming and be prepared to respond immediately when it when it comes out. That is, of course, an, an issue in and of itself to be addressed. But in this case, you're talking about actually leaking to the world that this is the vote right now and this is the opinion that 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 is likely to be released. Um, that is what is unprecedented in, in modern um, jurisprudence and, and, and in our lifetimes. Uh, and, and the reason it's such a big deal, as you know. Is because it gives the other side the ammunition that they need to gin up people and, and get them to go do things that are wrong and, and, and riot and, and protest and, and then turn around and, 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 and you know, pontificate like uh, Senator Schumer pounding the, 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 the uh, bully pulpit the other day. And, and uh, it's just amazing to me how passionate these people are about being able to kill babies. I just I cannot believe how righteously indignant they've become to try to keep the ability to take life. And, 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 and I think people are starting to see through that. I think they look at that and they go, why are you so passionate about making sure it's okay to kill a baby? I do not understand that. There is something possessing you to make you want to do that. Anyway, I just can't uh, – that struck me as I was watching his, his press conference. Uh, but, but, Sharon, great, great point, and thank you, thank you, thank you, first of all, for adopting, because I do think there is uh, a discussion for us to, to have that we've always had. I mean, we've always talked about this issue that – if we're going to be pro-life, if we're going to convince girls not to get an abortion, uh, we also need to be there to help them. That's why we support women's pregnancy centers all over the country and why we uh, give to those things and donate to those things and encourage everybody else to do the same thing. So let's be let's be pro-life at this point uh, in a big way. Right. Let's step up and do exactly what Sharon did in, in adopting and and, uh, and and all of us in helping uh, to save these babies. Uh, all right. Let's see. James in Tennessee. We haven't had a Tennessee call today. James, go for it. Yeah, hi. Hey, um, there's a uh, element in the uh, uh, original Roe versus Wade uh, 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 judgment where they talk about as science uh, 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 improves the beginning of life that the that that issue has to be revisited. Well, that that implies a level of a di- uh, doctrine that's called personage. And we could get the the uh, protection of the baby all the way back to birth, to um, conception if the uh, if if the uh, in in the future if we get the concept of personage uh, put in because that would imply the protection of the uh, 
of the uh, baby under the current constitution because if the person had started at birth, at, not at birth, at uh, conception, the uh, baby would be protected from conception and wouldn't require any law changes at all. All it would get, all we would need, would be a definition of personage by uh, first the states and then the and then Congress. Yeah, James, great point. I, I've got friends that uh, work on uh, personhood amendment uh, legislation in in states, and uh, of course, uh, discussion of that as a constitutional amendment as well. Um, uh, so, yeah, excellent point. You're already thinking ahead to the next battle and and, and where to take this thing next. Uh, but but uh, man, let's um, let's let's celebrate what we what we've got right here at the moment, and then start looking for ways to do exactly what you're talking about. But you're you're spot on. I think the personhood definition is is an important step for us to be able to take. Um, let's go back to Texas, and this is Dennis calling uh, from Texas. Dennis, I always have to ask what part of Texas. Uh, Dallas. All right. Well, what's your comment or question today, Dennis? Well, first of all, Rick, I want to thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you got God smiling. But uh, my, my oh, comment is this. Uh, why is all this stuff allowed? Why is not the Constitution used to stop it from being allowed? Well, you know, Dennis, I teach this in my Constitution classes. The, the problem is we're not ruled by the Constitution in America right now. We're ruled by the Constitution. We've allowed the court to replace the Constitution with Supreme Court decisions. One of the reasons I'm so joyful about this draft opinion is that Alito is touching on that. He's hitting on that very topic, the fact that the, the Constitution itself is what should govern the United States, and they've gotten away from it and, and distorted it and created their own, literally, Constitution. He doesn't call it that. That's what I kind of nicknamed it uh, 10, 12 years ago. But um, that's why they get away with all of this, whether it's, whether it's creating a right to abortion and preventing states from outlawing it, which is what Roe v. Wade did, or it's creating a new federal power like dealing with health care or mandates or any of these other things, if they were following the Constitution, Dennis, none of that stuff would be happening. I mean, even even progressive presidents 100 years ago didn't try to do that kind of stuff because they at least tried to follow the Constitution. Now, nobody follows the Constitution. Well, most of these people in D.C. don't follow the Constitution. And they, they claim that they are because they're able to say, well, the Supreme Court said in so-and-so-and-so-and-so case that this was constitutional. So it's the interpretation of the Constitution, um, the Constitution, that rules America. I'm an advocate for overturning the Constitution. There's a way to do that. There's a proper constitutional way to overturn Supreme Court decisions. We did that with the 11th Amendment to the Constitution, overturning Chisholm v. Georgia. Uh, we did that, as a previous caller mentioned, with the uh, 13th Amendment, uh, over, overturning slavery uh, all across the nation. Amendments to the Constitution are the proper way to ultimately win a particular issue in the nation. The, the reason we don't do it more often is because the Congress is so split. You're not going to get two-thirds in Congress to amend on just about anything. And, it's, and you're probably not going to get amendments on things like life or marriage or issue-type amendments. But you can get amendments on structure, amendments that would shift power from the feds back to the states, that would get rid of federal agencies and say that's not a proper constitutional agency. That's something the state should be dealing with, things like uh, agriculture and education. Those are all um, unconstitutional departments at the federal level. But because the Constitution, the Supreme Court has said they're OK, we expanded federal power just because these unelected, unaccountable lawyers that sit on the Supreme Court decided to expand that power. Now, there's nothing in the Constitution that backs that up. That's just the life that we're living right now in America. But amendments to the Constitution can overturn that and say, no, you got that wrong. 
basically the states saying to the Fed, you're wrong. The states have the ultimate power. State legislators like Tony that called in from South Dakota and others around the country, they are the most powerful officers in the federal system if they use their power to do a convention of states overturning federal issues. But the state legislators have to seize that power and use that tool that the founding fathers put into the Constitution from the beginning. It was a mic drop moment at the very end of the convention on September 15th when George Mason stood up and said, hey, guys, what if the feds ever start grabbing power? The very thing that, 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 that we're talking about right now. He said, what happens if they expand the federal government without our permission? The states have to have a way to overturn that and overrule that. And so he threw in right then on September 15th the language in Article 5 that the states could have a, quote, convention of states for proposing amendments. Now, that means all they're doing is the legislators from across the nation are getting together and proposing amendments. That's not going to be a convention that changes the Constitution. It's going to be a convention that proposes amendments to change the Constitution. And then all 50 states back home in their state legislatures will consider that, and 38 of them have to say yes. Now, getting in the weeds, but I'm saying all that to say we can overturn the Constitution. We can restore federalism. We can restore these rights to the states to make these decisions, but we have to use the Constitution to save the Constitution. That's why for 12 years now, I've been such an advocate of using that tool in Article 5. I've been, uh, you know, guys like Mark Levin and David Barton and Ben Shapiro and all of these advocates have been pushing for this, and we're getting there. 19 states have now called for a convention of states. Got to have 34, so we got a ways to go, but we're going to get there, and then we'll have the convention. We'll propose overturning the Supreme Court and the federal government and returning these powers to the states. That's how we can save liberty in America. Not just on this issue of life, but life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's doable, folks. The system works, but we have to work the system. We have to live out our freedom that so many people died to make sure we would have. We can honor those who came before us by having what Lincoln called an increased devotion to the cause. Let's have that increased devotion. Part of how you can do that is listening daily here to AFA at the Court. Tuesdays and Thursdays, Rick Green, I'll be with you. Mondays and Wednesdays, it'll be Walker Wildman, and Fridays will just surprise you. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.